In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending January the 29th, the 2016 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show has wrapped up for another year, but many were on hand for the annual event out in San Diego, California. While many issues were discussed, there was some good news to report. One issue we seemed to talk about at the end of each year was tax extenders. But according to Colin Woodall, Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, 2015 ended with some positive action on that issue. We were very pleased at the end of the year to get as much work on tax extenders as possible. When you look at some of the provisions that we address, one of them was the conservation easement tax incentive, which allows some great tax benefits on conservation easements. We were able to make that permanent. We've been trying to get that redone year in, year out. To make that permanent was a big win. Probably the biggest win, though, however, was taking Section 179 expensing. This is where you invest in new equipment, for example. You can expense up to $500,000 worth of that purchase price, And it really has a big impact on the amount of taxes that you pay. So we were able to make that permanent, and we were able to take that $500,000 level and tie it to inflation so it will grow over time. So that's really going to help producers be able to make management decisions on different purchases they want at the same time trying to help them pay fewer taxes. Other news, USDA officials are continuing to study the request by the cotton industry to make cottonseed eligible for USDA safety net programs like ARC and PLC. Gary Crawford has this update. Faced with very low prices and slumping export demand, U.S. cotton growers appealed to Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack a couple of months ago to use what they said was his authority to classify cotton seed as what they called an other oil seed, making it eligible for the same safety net programs that corn and soybeans enjoy. But so far, at least as of Thursday this week... We're not yet ready to announce uh, what, if anything, we're able to do. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack on the phone with reporters saying there are a lot of aspects to this that have to be analyzed. We're still in the process of uh, making sure that we know precisely what our authorities are, uh, precisely the, uh, the implications of any action that can uh, be taken or that's being considered. Implications such as how much would it cost? Where would the money come from? What are the possible international trade repercussions? All of this being studied, conclusions being formulated. And we're not yet in a position to, to publicize that. When will a decision be made and publicized? Hopefully in the very, very near future. In Washington, Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. A USDA says a slightly more than half of the nation's dairy farms have signed up for a second year in the margin protection program. Farm Service Agency data shows nearly 23,000 out of approximately 45,000 dairy farms nationwide have qualified for the coverage. The program allows farmers to recoup money when the margin or the difference between the price of milk and feed costs falls below a coverage level selected by the farmer. AgriPulse is reporting that the majority of farmers signed up at the $4 coverage level, which requires a flat $100 fee. Only about 23% of dairy farmers who signed up opted for coverage above the basic level. With this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, we head to the tailgate to talk about our favorite Super Bowl snacks. A Georgia Grown favorite for Super Bowl snacks, of course, is the chicken wing. So I thought we could talk about some quick food safety tips for consumers. Jessica Bedore of the Georgia Department of Agriculture's Food Safety Division talks about how to eat safe on game day. You don't want to wash or rinse your wings before you cook them. And you do want to wash your hands and your food prep areas before and after they come into contact with raw poultry. You want to cook them in an oven that's been preheated to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. If you're going to fry them, you want to heat the oil up to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. And then after you think they're done, you want to make sure that you confirm that using a food thermometer to make sure that the temperature reads at least 165 degrees. 
but you don't want to leave your wings out for more than two hours. After two hours, stick them in the refrigerator and put out something else. For more information, visit GDA Food Safety on Twitter and on the web at agr.georgia.gov. For Georgia Grown, I'm Nathan Wilson. Well, we mentioned the 2016 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show where over 6,600 folks registered this year. Sabrina Hill was there and has this report. I caught up with 2015 NCBA President Philip Ellis, who said there's a lot going on at the convention. You know, one of the real simple things that I think they'll take away and that I have coming for many years is the excitement of being with several thousand other beef cattle producers. You know, we're from farms and ranches throughout America, from California to Florida and even up in Wyoming where I come from. And as the outgoing NCBA president, he has a message for cattlemen around the nation. That uh, they're raising the right product, they're the right people, right for the land, raising the right product for the diets of uh, people both here at home and abroad. Reporting from San Diego, California for Southeast Agnet, I'm Sabrina Hill. Thanks, Sabrina. You know, last year at this time, a food price economist predicted grocery store food prices in 2015 would go up 2 to 3 percent, but they ended up rising only about 1.2 percent. Well, Kathy Isom looks at what the forecast is for grocery shoppers here in 2016. Last year at this time, USDA's food price economist, Anne-Marie Coons, predicted that grocery store food prices would go up 2 to 3 percent. However, prices in 2015 only went up about 1.2 percent, with an unusually strong dollar making imported foods much cheaper, along with an unexpected drop in oil prices. This year, Coons is predicting a 2 to 3 percent food hike for 2016, based on things like food price trends heading out of last year and USDA projections on farm-level prices for products. We also take a look at prices for other things that are factors of production, such as the cost of transportation, price for oil or diesel, food processing costs, and then we also look at retail grocery store wages to account for retail overhead costs. Those factors are leading Coons to project a 2 to 3% food price hike, but it's early, and as we saw last year, unexpected things can happen. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Greiner talks about our purchasing power and the actual cost of food. There's a lot of talk and conversation about the rising cost of food, the fact that you pay an average of $5 a pound for beef and almost that much for pork and poultry makes some of us feel that everybody in agricultural production is getting rich. Fact is, food is less costly now than it was 75 years ago. Here's what I mean. Back in 1920, you had to work two and a half hours to earn enough money to buy a chicken. Today, 15 minutes work will buy that same chicken. One writer put it this way, calories come cheaper today than any time in our history. Here's another stunning statistic. The reason the obesity rate in America is greater now than ever before is easy access to food. So a $5 a pound beef roast, pork, or poultry is one thing. Earning power is another. That makes all of us better off than we thought we were, doesn't it? And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Greiner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.